0: For complete details. What's up, everyone? Our Super Bowl coverage from Radio Row in Miami begins today. You know, we're doing FFT on CBS Sports HQ live at 10 a.m. Eastern every morning this week with Jamie hosting. So, we're going to give you the audio of that show as our podcast. Today, we talk to Stefan Diggs and Jerome Bettis and we preview free agency. Enjoy the show.
1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS
2: Sports. Here we go. Email us at football at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and he. Live edition of Fantasy Football Today here from Radio Row at Super Bowl 54 in Miami. We're uh, pleased to be joined by one of the best in the business, Hall of Famer. Jerome Bettis, thank you for joining us here on Fantasy Football Today as we pick up our coverage. on Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, Keith Cummings. Uh, Jerome, we want to ask you about uh, your Super Bowl experience. Obviously, you had a memorable one beating the Seahawks in your hometown 2006. Just talk about that experience for you and what it's like to be back at the Super Bowl.
1: Well, it was a magical experience, obviously. you know Anything in your hometown is going to be really special. But for me, uh, to have come back for one last season and for that season to culminate in – you know trying to win a championship in my hometown uh where I was the kind of the story of the super Bowl it was you know it was daunting, but it was it was great because I wasn't the lead guy you know in the story so to speak of our championship run, but I was taking a lot of heat off of some of the younger guys who had to play really good in order for us to win the game so it was a it was a special week magical uh, and I was embracing all of the media because I knew that, you know, that next year, I was probably going to be on the other side.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You've had you've had a nice uh, post-playing career, uh, but while you were playing, you were part of a very dominant ground game wherever you were, and it obviously helped you get into the Hall of Fame. I want to talk to you about the 49ers. Uh, you know, it seems to be a style. I'm sure that you're probably pretty pleased to watch. You know, especially the quarterback throwing only eight times in the NFC Championship yeah. game. But can you talk about the 49ers' ground attack? Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman. He's expected to play, dealing with that shoulder injury. Matt Breida. Just what the 49ers' ground attack is expected to do against the Chiefs this week?
1: Yeah, a lot of people when they look at this team, they don't really look at it as a uh, a pounding football team. This is a physical running attack, and they they get to it a lot of different ways. So it's more of an exotic rushing team, but they know how to run the football. And so what they do is... Uh, they do, you know, and the the running backs are interchangeable. They're all really good, first of all, and I think that's the one thing that that people miss. If you gave any one of those guys twenty five, thirty carries, they all would have been capable of of doing what uh, Raheem Moster did in the game. So, with that being said, it's the, it's the style that they use. That you know, they do a little bit of the zone. Uh, blocking, then they'll come back and do some wham blocking or they'll see, you know, they'll they'll have a tackle go around the guy and he goes up to linebacker and they and they go in and, and trap the guy and so they do so many different things that that they from a defensive perspective it's hard to stop everything, and that's why they're so good running the football.
3: And people talk about the 49ers and that run offense, but not a lot of people talk about the Chiefs' run offense because it's Mahomes and it's a big right. passing game, but Damian Williams has done a nice job, a good, versatile running back there. Do you? What do you see from the Chiefs' run game?
1: I see Andy Reid holding <laughs> the running game back. That's the <laughs> okay. problem that uh, I think the Kansas City Chiefs have in running the football is if Andy Reid decides that I want to run the football. And I think it has to be a situation situation where they're taking they're trying to take so much away mm-hmm. in the passing game that they force you to run the football and I think that's unfortunate because the Kansas City Chiefs can run the football they just line up and wanted to run the football but then they say well you know why bang our, ourselves against the head and let's go to what we do best and which is the smart way to do it sure. but I think if the 49ers they start to defeat a lot of the passing game they're going to have to fall back on the running game which they can do
4: mm-hmm. Derrick Henry is one of the biggest surprises of 2019. Probably reminded some people of you back in your prime, but he had more than 400 touches if you count the playoffs. You had one of those seasons back in 1997. That worries us that much work. What's going to happen the following year? What would you expect from Derrick Henry in 2020?
1: I would expect a big year from him because I think people are, are, and especially the Tennessee Titans, they're starting to understand how you fully utilize uh, a running back like Derrick Henry. And, and And it took them a few years, but much like it took when he was at Alabama, uh, you know. He- you give, him, you give him as a freshman, you give a guy a couple times, you don't get his true ability with 5, 6, 10, 15 carries. He needs 25 carries, 30 carries for you to see his true effectiveness and how special he is as a running back. And so it took the Tennessee Titans to this year because the last couple years he was splitting time and getting you know minimal opportunities. This year he was a feature guy. We're going to run you 25, 30 times, and you see a special running back. And so I, I expect to see more of that next year. But I do think they're going to bring another running back in a similar vein to really split some of those carries. So he's not the only one getting the 40 carries. They run it 45 times, but he maybe take 25, yeah. lighten the load a little bit for him.
3: That would make sense for them to do, too, because now they've got two power. You're thinking a running back like Derrick Henry, not, right. not like Deion Lewis, not a little guy, but a bigger right. guy that can Exactly. Too. exactly. The Steelers tried to get James Conner to be their lead guy. And when he was healthy, he was, but he kept getting banged up. I know you watch a lot of Steelers football, yeah. but what do you think Conner's future's like?
1: You know what? Uh, if he can be healthy, I think he has a future. I think the, the, the key is your availability is part of what makes you a really good running back. If you're not available, then it's hard for a team to depend on you and, uh, and and build around you. So I think this year is going to be very critical for him. Hopefully he can stay healthy, stay on the football field because when he's on the field, yeah. he's really good.
4: Le'Veon Bell left the Steelers, went to the Jets. It was a disappointing first year with him. We don't know where he's going to be playing in 2020 necessarily. Do you think this is more of a situation where we're starting to see the end of the line with Le'Veon Bell or was it just a bad situation in New York?
1: Well, you know I try to explain to people you know you don't you don't forget how to be a running back right there's something the the running back position is probably if you look at all of the positions in football, it's the most natural of any of them right as a, a kid in little league, you're running football, you're doing the exact same thing you did then that you're doing in the NFL right uh, It's probably the only position that you do that. And so with that being said, this is, you know, he's, you know, you've been developing your skills of running football for 15 20 years. You don't forget, you know, in one season. The problem is when your offense doesn't match your ability, then it's your fault. And it is unfortunate because Le'Veon Bell has the ability to do some great things, mm-hmm. but his offense isn't good enough, and so it's his fault. Right. And it's unfortunate if he does leave Somebody will be getting a very, very special running back because he's one of the best in the business.
2: Bus, I want to ask you about a a running back that a lot of people compare to you, and that's Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah, right. I can see that. they're about <laughs> the that. same. Sure, uh, but but Both all, of us is very shifting. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, McCaffrey's coming off just an amazing season in, in 2019. Thousand rushing, thousand receiving. When you watch a running back like that, what's your takeaway just from afar and seeing what he's able to do on the field?
1: So, so he, you know, he's Christian McCaffrey is interesting because I've I studied him like I studied all the other guys. When he came out of Stanford, what people didn't realize about him. And what made him really special was that he was an inside runner. Uh, most of your speed guys, right, i.e. Reggie Bush, when he came out, he was an edge runner. Mm-hmm. He wasn't an in-between-the-tackles runner. He developed that as he got to New Orleans and they ran in, in inside and outside. But Christian McCaffrey is an inside runner, Um that had the ability to be an outside runner. And that's what made him so dangerous. So when he got to the NFL, he didn't have to learn how to run inside. He, that, he was built to do that. What people didn't realize was how talented he was running inside, but also being able to catch. Everybody knew he could catch it. They said, oh, he'll be a scat guy. No, he was an in between the tackles guy that could also do those things. And I think that's what people are starting to realize about McCaffrey. It wasn't that his ability to catch the football, it was his ability to run in between the tackles that's impressed a lot of people. You play fantasy football? i do not i do not you should
2: I, based, based, I, I based on the breakdown of running backs you, you should <laughs> you, you know your stuff tell us about invasive and what you hear uh, you know going on radio robot well
1: just just talking about my health and and how everything is has kind of changed i've been retired fourteen years and and playing for thirteen, your body gets beats up get, gets beat up and and I was beat up when i retired and and unfortunately as 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 you know football players, we think that uh it'll be fine right you know you're take a couple uh, pain pills and you'll be fine, some Advil or something, and, and it goes away. But you have to understand that uh, some things, you know, needs to be addressed. And I had a, a back problem, needed to be addressed. And, and so what I did was I found the right surgery, which was called the lift surgery, and then I found the right surgeon, uh, a doctor by the name of Dr. Rebe, who was one of the best in the world. And brought that together and the lift surgery is a non-invasive surgery that I needed a fusion in the back, right? So they're supposed to cut your back open and fillet you and do all this. And it's, this was, they went in through my, my side over there, the love handles, went right in, did everything. And instead of an eight week recovery, it was a three week recovery. And so really my life changed and I got was able to get back to the, the quality of life that I was used to living before everything started to deteriorate. And it's just been a, a great transition and I try to tell people about it and my story. And if you, anybody wants to kind uh, of you know, read or see the story, you can go to newvasive.com backslash the bus and really kind of just tell people about it.
2: Sounds like a very interesting thing and obviously a very interesting story from a very interesting person. Jerome Mettis, thank you for joining us here on Fantasy Football Today. When we come back, we're going to get into some free agent talk. We know that Derrick Henry, Tom Brady, two guys that could be on the move. More here on Radio Row, Super Bowl 54. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Today. We're live here on Radio Row for Super Bowl 54. Lovely South Beach, Miami Beach. Can't get better than this. The weather is perfect. And the scenery is perfect for us here, even though we're all from South Florida. So not a big trip for us, but it is a big trip for the man joining us now in the end, Adam Azer, replacing... Jerome Bettis, you guys are about the same size, same same career, same, yeah. same, same uh, path to, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. to the Super Bowl, right?
0: Yeah, no, we, I mean, the chair, actually, I had to be adjusted down. I think I might actually be taller than Jerome Bettis. But, uh, you know, Not that's, the same type a, of that's all I've got on <laughs> Jerome the, the, Bettis.
4: The difference is everyone was willing to accept him sitting there because we weren't going to tell him to scoot down. <laughs> it looked kind of weird with you looking tall. Yes, yes we, exactly. are. we I
2: didn't. It was uncomfortable for me. So. We certainly can correct Adam Major's, uh seat. And uh, thank you guys for joining us uh, watching Fantasy Football today. Jamie, Dave, Heath, and Adam, let's talk about... Some, uh, some free agent news uh, as we're preparing for the offseason, for what we're talking about here. Obviously, we're getting into a lot of the Super Bowl coverage, not just today, but throughout the week. But big story in the NFL, Philip Rivers, Chargers, uh, at least report that they're going to move on from, from Rivers. I'm sure that breaks your heart a little bit, but... Uh, <sighs> He's, uh, he's left the California area, the, the Southern California area, moving to Florida. So maybe could be a sign that Tampa Bay is interested in rivers. But when we talk about rivers here, is there a destination, Heath, I know you wrote something for, uh, for the site of CBS Sports. Is there a destination you think that makes the most sense for him?
4: I think there are a couple of them. I mean, Tampa Bay would definitely be one if they decided to go away from Jameis Winston. The other two that came to mind for me was Indianapolis because he'd get to play indoors and then New Orleans. There are other openings like Chicago and New England. I'm not sure Philip Rivers wants to go play in that weather in December. So my top three would be the Colts, the Saints, and the Buccaneers, and probably Tampa Bay at the very top.
3: You might be surprised by this, Jamie. I'm going full heel against Philip Rivers how good was he last year? The answer is not very good. His numbers declined. He's not the same type of a quarterback. What team would be interested in giving him 20 to 25 million dollars for one season to try and salvage their year? I don't I don't see it with Rivers anymore. I think there are other options that a team could have and there aren't a lot of teams out there that are so desperate for a quarterback that they would pay Philip Rivers and ignore who's in the draft, and who else is available in free agency?
4: I'm just not sure it's Deborah. I mean, yes, he was not as good in a lot of ways, especially in the second half last year, but he averaged 7.8 yards per attempt. He completed 66% of his passes. You're comparing that to Jacoby Brissett or to right. Taysom Hill if Drew Brees retires or to Jameis Winston and all his interceptions last year. I think all three of those teams could reasonably think, and they may not be, but reasonably think that Rivers would make them better from what they were last year.
0: Yeah, the question is, is he good? Is he bad for wide receivers? I don't want him to go to Tampa Bay because I don't think it would be good for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, honestly. I want a big, strong arm quarterback there who's going to be able to throw the ball down the field more consistently. I think it would be great for O.J. Howard, and I think if Hunter Henry's back with the Chargers and Phillip Rivers isn't, that could be a big hit. I mean, throughout his career, we see how much he likes the Chargers. By the way, the the tight ends and the Chargers. By the way, he had the fourth most passing yards in the NFL last year, so I just Mm -hmm. want to throw that out there. It was really his touchdown interception ratio, 23 to 20, that made him look so bad, and too high. Profile games, including the one against the chiefs, but for the most part he he wasn 't that bad. I still think he has another year of being a good quarterback i just don 't know if he 's great for wide receivers to be quite honest
2: in the right scenario in the right team, right system, right division, you know Indianapolis is going to be an interesting one because of the commitment to Jacoby Brissett and the talk coming out of Indianapolis, and there are some other quarterbacks that could be available. You you alluded to Drew Brees; He's another guy who's a free agent. I actually spoke to him at the Pro Bowl uh, about his future, and he said, you know, didn't didn't indicate, you know, he wouldn't, you know, sort of answer one way or the other, but he didn't indicate that he's going to retire, and let's face it, if he comes back, he's coming back to play for the Saints. I know you you sort of said that maybe Rivers can go to New Orleans. Breeze is not going anywhere else, so let's assume that Breeze is there. Let's look at the other quarterbacks here as we talk about this. You got Brady, who's a free agent. Brees, who's a free agent. Rivers, who we already mentioned Dak Prescott. Uh, most likely going to return to Dallas. Jameis Winston, he's a little bit of a wild card in all of this. You got Ryan Tannehill, also spoke to him at the Pro Bowl. He said it's going to be a business decision. Really didn't indicate that it's a guarantee comes back to Tennessee, but I think as we all are sort of aware, probably going to be a candidate for the franchise tag. And then some of these other guys, Bridgewater, Mariota, Taysom Hill, Hill is a restricted free agent, another guy who probably will return to New Orleans. So when you look at Brady... He's in the mix for Tampa Bay. Indianapolis is a team that's been mentioned as well. Uh, Patriots have sort of given him a a little bit of a deadline to make a decision right before the start of free agency. How weird would it be to see Tom Brady playing in a different uniform? Adam, I'll start with you on that one.
0: It would be weird, and I don't think it's going to happen, but I actually don't think he's done. I, I still think he could be a good quarterback. I think he could be better than Phillip Rivers. When you look at the circumstances that he dealt with in New England, terrible receiving core. Really, I mean, they had no outside receiver. Edelman was playing hurt for a lot of the second half of the season when Brady's numbers really went south. They couldn't run the ball. Their offensive line was unusually bad. So it was just a bad scenario for him. I still think he can be a good quarterback. Uh, Yeah, I would like to see him go to Tampa Bay ahead of Phillip Rivers. If if I'm out there and I'm looking for a free agent quarterback, personally, I would prefer Brady to Rivers. So
2: you you say that in regard to his fantasy value or for the receivers' fantasy value? I know that was a yeah, when we were talking uh, about Rivers.
0: When you talk about Rivers and Brady, you are talking about two of the very worst Russian quarterbacks,
2: right? I mean, they're going to give you almost nothing there. Brady
0: at least will maybe rush for a touchdown every now and then, but so I'm not that interested in them in fantasy. But f- yeah, for the wide receivers, to tight ends, I think Brady would be my preference.
4: And that's just the one thing I don't think we know is does Tom Brady still have the deep ball? We we haven't really seen him try to throw it over the last I, couple more years. than consistently. Rivers to me. I think I, would. we've seen Rivers not be able to throw it. Yeah. I I don't want Tom. Bra- like, honestly for Tampa Bay, I just want them to bring back Jameis Winston because yeah. I don't think sure. anybody's going to be better for them than has to be. the problem problem for Brady when it comes to fantasy is that he's probably going to go to a contender. He's probably going to go to a team with a good defense. He's not going to have to carry a team, I wouldn't think, to a good record. So I, I won't be drafting him this year no matter where he goes.
3: I don't, I'm not going to draft him That's either. I, just, I, I can't get over him not being a Patriot. That's the one thing, and you look at all these other teams, and yeah, the Chargers might sell tickets if they get them. Or how about the Raiders? They're in Las Vegas now. What bigger way to bring in the Raiders into Vegas than to have Tom Brady there? And you know what? He's actually kind of a fit because John Gruden just wants short passes, high percentage passes, and that's something he could still do. But I think he still ends up in New England. I can't imagine. Not everyone's Eli Manning, though. though.
0: You know, not everyone could be so lucky. One, yeah. one,
2: once a Patriot, I'm whatever he said. You know, Eli always Manning, a Patriot. Yeah. Right? Only a Patriot. Oh, right, only. only a Patriot. Right. What Eli Manning said as part of his uh, retirement speech. Uh, from the quarterbacks, let's look at the running backs and the big one we just got finished talking to Jerome Bettis about Derrick Henry and what he could do next year I think you know we were all talking to Jerome under the assumption that he comes back to the Titans but I spoke to Hill I spoke to excuse me I spoke to Henry at the Pro Bowl and he said you know he's gonna let his agent sort of play this out and coming off the year where he leads the NFL in rushing yards had a fantastic close to the season once again helped the Titans reach the AFC championship game if he leaves the Titans after coming off a season with you know right around 400 total touches How interested are you in Derrick Henry as a fantasy option next year? Is he a first-round pick as we've sort of seen some of these drafts? Is he a second-round pick, or is it sort of just hands-off at this point point? let him fall to you if he falls to you?
3: I'm a little nervous about him, to be honest. And if he's on a team that doesn't have a strong offensive line like Tennessee has, I'll be even more nervous and might not even take him with a first-round pick. It's funny. I'm worried about the 400-touch thing with Derrick Henry. And then I looked and saw Christian McCaffrey also had over 400 touches last year, but over 100 of them were catches, so it doesn't take quite the beating that Derrick Henry does. I would be a little bit concerned about Derrick Henry if he's not in Tennessee, and even if he is, he wouldn't be one of my top five choices in fantasy.
4: Almost anywhere he goes is going to be a downgrade in one way or another. It's so rare to have a team like the Titans that has a good offensive line, that wants to run the ball a lot, and that wants to give one guy that big of a percentage of the touches. So it's hard to imagine a place he could go where his value wouldn't take a hit, If he's back with the Titans, he's a top-12 running back. I agree with Dave, probably not top-5 for me. If he's not with the Titans, I could see him falling to the third round.
0: I guess the only positive would be if he went to a place that might be willing to use him more in the passing game. Because if you look at his yards per catch, very high, consistently. Now, that's probably because he hasn't had that many. But I also wonder if... You've seen scenarios where he catches the ball and he takes it to the house.
2: I talked to to him about that because he was playing catch with a a kid during, you know, practice of the Pro Bowl is a joke. You know, they're just going through the motions, you know, setting up some alignments and whatnot. And he's throwing the ball with a kid. And so right afterwards, I talked to him. I was like, obviously, you can catch the ball. We've seen you do it in games. I see you playing with this little guy over here. He's like, do you ever talk to Arthur Smith or Mike Vrabel and say, throw me the ball a little bit more? He goes... That's in the plans, which kind of made me think, okay, maybe he is trying to come back to Tennessee. But he said that's in the plans a little bit more. And, look, he's never going to be a McCaffrey. He's never going to be a Kamara. He's never going to be one of those guys that's going to be five-plus catches on a weekly basis. But two to three would enhance his value so much, and it would shift the touches around a little bit. And so if he's going from 300 carries, which he had in the regular season, that's including missing one game. If he goes from that to, you know, maybe it's 280, and then he's, you know, 25 to, to, to 40 catches, whatever the range may fall. That just makes him that much more attractive. Yeah. Uh, third round, though, there's no chance he's falling to the third round. <laughs> maybe so maybe you would take him to right. the third round, right. but there's no, him. there's no way he's falling to the third <laughs> round. I think he's a second round pick. Some other running backs that we're looking at that could be free agents. One is very intriguing for me, and that's uh, Kenyon Drake. You know, We saw the trade after going from Miami to Arizona, and he really took off, especially toward the end of the season. David Johnson, we don't know what his exact status is going to be if he's back with the team. Not a free agent, but the Cardinals may decide to move on. You see the list here that we're talking about. Drake, Matt Breida, Eckler, and Kareem Hunt. These guys are restrictive free agents. we talk about Kareem Hunt in a second. Melvin Gordon we know is going to sort of shift the landscape of some of these running backs and obviously the rookie class as well. And then you get to Jordan Howard, Carlos Hyde, and some of these other running backs as well. But Let's talk about Drake and Gordon and just what their outlook could be. If they stay with the same team that they're at, you look at them as maybe better, if they move on to a different team, how are we sort of viewing uh, these running backs? start with you, Heath, with Drake.
4: We've dealt with uncertainty with Kenyon Drake for the last three years. I mean, this is the second time that a team in the second half of the season has kind of turned the keys over to him, and he's looked like he's fully capable of being a feature back and a top 10 guy in fantasy. We just have to hope, and hope that it happens next year. If Kenyon Drake comes back to the Cardinals and David Johnson's not on the Cardinals, then I'll be drafting Kenyon Drake as a top 20 back for sure, maybe even a top 15. What he did in the passing game the way they used him as a receiver, even after Johnson came back, Johnson's been one of the best pass-catching running backs in the NFL, and they were using Drake over him in that role. So that gives me a lot of hope for him in 2020.
0: Oh, Arizona running back in this offense in PPR is great. Listen to this. David Johnson, first six games. People might forget this. He was the number five running back in fantasy. Next two weeks was the Chase Edmonds show. He had a huge game against the Giants. He had a terrible game against the Saints. But even in those two games, he was the number seven running back in fantasy. Last eight games, Kenyon Drake was the number four running back in fantasy. So throughout the season, you're talking about a top six running back in Arizona. And if Kenyon Drake is the lead guy there, that would be awesome. I would love. I would love for him to stay there, Jamie. That would be
2: ideal. Hey, and then, Mel- Melvin Gordon. Just yeah. you know, it seems as if the Chargers may be deciding to you know sort of purge some of their guys from past years, you know, with the Rivers move potentially and now if they decide to let Melvin Gordon go. Now, Anthony Lynn clearly likes Melvin Gordon, but is there a spot, let's say he does leave, that you could say, okay, I can like Melvin Gordon or still love Melvin Gordon.
3: Send him on a one-way ticket to the other side of the country to Tampa Bay. That would be amazing. Now, I think David Johnson might be the better fit there because he knows Bruce Arians and he David knows Johnson that offense done, there. David That's the problem. We don't know that, and we know that Melvin Gordon does have something left in the tank. I don't want him in a situation like he was in in L.A. where he's sharing the ball with Austin Eckler and the two are taking away from each other. You want Melvin Gordon to be somewhere where he can get 20 touches per week rain or shine we know he can catch the football as well I'm hoping that that's the case for him I just don't think it's going to be with the Chargers because if they were going to pay him they would have done it this time last year
4: Tampa Bay is just the favorite landing
3: spot for all free agents I guess oh,
2: if you play place. running
3: back go oh, play for Bruce Arians <laughs> yeah. unless of course your
2: name is Ronald Jones or Peyton Barber right. does it
0: bother anybody that now it's four out of five seasons Melvin Gordon's average less than four yards per carry I mean that's weird because you see him and there, he looks like a great player. That is, life. that is a weird stat.
2: He does have ability to find the end zone, which is nice. Yeah. We know he can catch the ball; he's shown that in, in, over the course of his career. I think it's going to be a situation. You know, you were talking about this with you know Brady and Rivers and the offensive line. Offensive line is important for these guys too. It was a big right. thing with Derrick Henry and what he was able to do, and it'll be a big thing for Melvin Gordon if he ends up in the right spot. Also, so we're going to spend a lot of time talking about these free agent running backs. One quick note on Kareem Hunt: I spoke to Nick Chubb; he actually said he would like Kareem Hunt to stay in Cleveland because he liked that one-two combo. Now we don't want to see that because. Obviously, it lowers the value of what Nick Chubb can do, and it sort of uh, would take away what Kareem Hunt could potentially be. If he goes somewhere, he's going to be another guy. We say go to Tampa Bay and hopefully (laughs) does some nice things. Uh, Obviously, Kareem Hunt has some other news that we're keeping an eye on as well with his legal situation, but if he's playing starting week one in 2020, we'll see where he's at. That will determine his fantasy value. The wide receiver free agents that we're talking about here, the headliner, A.J. Green, Amari Cooper as well, both these guys Potentially could be on the move. Green, we know, did not play last year because of the foot and ankle injury. Cooper is heading into free agency after having a big season for the Cowboys. I spoke to Cooper at the Pro Bowl. He said Jerry Jones called him after he was named to the Pro Bowl. I said, did you tell Jerry that price tag just went up a little bit more because now you added another honor to your resume? Which of these two guys intrigues you more going into next year, assuming that they're in spots that we like Most likely Cooper with the Cowboys, maybe Green staying with the Bengals.
3: Yeah, it's going to be Cooper. I just trust him more. We've seen him play and and stay healthy. I heard that A.J. Green was relatively okay. He just didn't want to play last year with the Bengals. Oh, I risk it. As the season went on. Exactly, and it it makes perfect sense for him to do that. So that's kind of intriguing as well that A.J. Green basically had a year off, and now we'll see how he comes back if he's fresh and if he's healthy. And if he stays in Cincinnati and Joe Burrow is his quarterback, we're assuming that Joe Burrow will be the quarterback for the Bengals. That might not be so bad. I could get into drafting A.J. Green with a top-50 pick again, and Amari Cooper will be probably more of a round-three, round-four type of receiver. Oh, he's not making it
4: that far. He's a round you don't three
3: think so? I, I, might
4: I might let other people have him. at that. Yeah. Point. Adam Azer will be yeah. taking him there. He's got him as a top-five wide receiver. No, A.J. Green scares me a little bit, just because he's going to be a 32-year-old wide receiver. It's not just that he missed last year. The year before he only played nine games. 2016 he only played ten games. We don't know what the situation is going to be, I, especially if the Bengals franchise him. And then he says, okay, I'm not coming to camp. I'm going to show up at the last second. I'm not going to have much interested all in drafting A.J. Green.
0: Look, he went in round five, I think, in a three-wide receiver PPR league. He went back-to-back back with T.Y. Hilton. A lot of uncertainty about both of these guys, about their quarterbacks and what they still have left. And, it, you know, it's, it's a good range to take him. It made sense at the time. This also, I feel like, will be one of the only times where you got Tyler Boyd and then we saw some good stuff from John Ross, right? And maybe they add someone Tyler else. Tyler Eifert stayed
2: healthy for the first time.
0: Yeah, so, you know, it, there might be more competition for targets than we've ever seen with A.J. Green. So I think he's probably – is he a top 20 guy for you guys? No. no.
2: Top- I think the other thing to keep in mind is we talked about this at the beginning of the season last year. Zach Taylor is coming from Sean McVay's system where they don't exactly feature yeah. one guy, and now you have other guys that show the ability to play. We knew it with Tyler Boyd. We saw it with John Ross when he was healthy. Again, health is always going to be a case, uh, a situation with him. And Joe Mixon started to come along as a pass catcher out of the backfield as well. So there are other options that A.J. Green does have to contend with. But at the right price, around 50, I think, is going to be where, where we start to see A.J. Green come off the board. But at the right price, if he does give you 16 games, we know what he's capable of doing. He's probably not going to be the same guy pre-injury, but still could be a very good player, very good value. You're going to take a Murray Cooper win?
0: Middle of round two, I'm pretty high on him.
2: I, I, I expe- if, if he's in Dallas,
0: if he's yeah, if he's in Dallas. I mean, he was playing like a top five wide receiver before he started dealing with injuries. Before Dak Prescott started dealing with injuries, he says that's the story of his career. It and is. It's he's done it every true. year. It's kind of true. But you also, I don't think you can look at his full career because he's he's in such a better situation now than he ever was in Oakland. And uh, I, I would like to see him get a bigger share of the targets. That
2: concerned me a bit, but. I'm pretty high on Amari Cooper. I have a feeling I might come down a little bit by August. I think round three is where he'll end up settling. You know, Especially, again, we'll, we'll see where he goes. But he's going to be in that group of receivers we talked a lot about, especially on our podcast. For those of you that have been listening, we hope you do. Download us wherever you can find podcasts, on iTunes and such. But uh, Amari Cooper clearly is somebody that has the ability to sort of change the landscape of some of these receiving cores and some quarterback situations if he does leave Dallas. And we know Cowboys have to deal with the Dak Prescott contract. Some other receivers that we're keeping an eye on as well. Bersad Perryman's interesting after what he did. Stepping in for both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, he's going to have a chance to maybe earn some money. Robbie Anderson, somebody as well. We'll see what Emmanuel Sanders does in the Super Bowl, still alive. And if Randall Cobb leaves the Cowboys now that Mike McCarthy's there, maybe he changes his mind and decides to stay. Nelson Aguilar, Demarcus Robinson, also free agents as well. Anybody else on this list sort of intrigue you that if they change destinations could be a better fantasy fit for them? I mean, I don't know if I want to fall for it with Robbie Anderson. Really comes down to where he ends up playing. Let me throw one caveat at
3: you. Everybody, sure. everybody that leaves Adam Gase gets better. That's, that's <laughs> true. That's a good point. I mean, there's talk that he could end up going to Miami. He wanted to go back to Miami. South if Florida. That happens. Happen. If that happens, I, I don't think I'd be very interested in him before round 10.
2: Although, if he becomes Ryan Fitzpatrick's guy, we've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick throughout his career. It happened last year with Devontae oh, Park. Yeah, he yeah, then that's one bad guy. for Devontae. Well, if he likes one guy, it's not a yeah. bad situation if you are in the Robbie Anderson camp. Anybody else have any interest in any of these guys?
0: Perryman's got to be a little interesting, right? I mean, his last five games, 70 or more yards in every game, three straight 100-yard games. And he wasn't doing it on a ton of targets either,
2: 6-6-6, six, 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 then 12-8. and eight. The, 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 prob- oh. the problem is we have a sample size of pre. I'm just Bruce trying
0: Arians. to make content here. <laughs> I'm not that interested.
2: <laughs> we, no, it's, got, we got plenty of content. Either, All right, right. Let's, yeah. let's move on to the tight ends here. And, you know, a couple of headlining names at the top. No disrespect to Eric Ebron, but when you're talking about Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry, these two guys are potential fantasy stars, as we've seen over the last couple of seasons. So let's start with Austin Hooper. I'd like to see him stay in Atlanta. I think it's a fun situation with Matt Ryan and what he's done the last two seasons as really, you know, the de facto third guy, but... In some cases, it's been the second guy, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Austin Hooper. Those three guys have been the main pass catchers for Matt Ryan. What do we think about Austin Hooper if, in fact, he does leave the Falcons? How much would that concern you?
3: It really all comes down to fit. It really does. And that's what it's been for Hooper all along. He's been that short area go-to guy for Matt Ryan, and he's especially been great when the run game hasn't been great for Atlanta. I'd love for him to say if he went on to a different team, say he goes to Green Bay. Just throwing one out there. Sure. They move on from Jimmy Graham. They bring in Austin Hooper of course I'd love that. That would be great. He'd potentially be the number two receiver there. I, I think he'll end up being around six pick in PPR. I think he can catch the ball just well enough that he can provide value at that spot.
4: I just wonder if we've sold Austin Hooper just a little bit short in the way that we've talked about him over the last couple of years, the tight end and what he's turned into. I mean, he's still just 25 years yeah. old. He's gotten better every year of his career and he just put up 787 yards and six touchdowns in 13 games. He missed three games. If he's, if he's back in Atlanta and we've got a situation with no mom, it's a new, Left through the middle of last year, it's just Julio, Ridley, and Hooper. Hooper might be one of the top three or four tight ends, and I still think he's a top six guy no matter where he lands.
2: Adam, when you look at Hunter Henry, chargers are very much in flux now. Uh, Rivers, new quarterback there, if he decides to come back, if he leaves, you know who knows what he's going to decide to do and where to go. But where does he sort of stack up in comparison to Hooper and some of the other tight ends that we look at?
0: I think there's a little bit of bust potential for Hooper, and I think that Henry's going to go a little bit later. And the reason I say the bust potential is because I think that defense got a lot better and so there's a scenario where they're not throwing as much. And, and you know, Cal, he didn't play that much at the end of the season with Calvin Ridley. So we don't know uh, what that looked like with a and better they lose
2: defense. Mike Malarkey, too, you know, who's been very good great for Great tight
0: end coach. Absolutely. Um, I think Henry's going to end up being a better value. It's going to depend on where he goes, obviously. He's good. I don't know if we know that he's great yet. You know, I think we've sort of been waiting for him to give us more of a complete season. Because when he came back from the injury for six weeks or so, he was great. I think he was the number one tight end, and he really trailed off at the end there. And that's
4: kind of been the story with him. Well, I think that's that's what it is. Like you look at Austin Hooper and hunter henry and you took the names away and just showed them what they've done in their careers and everyone would think austin hooper is clearly clearly a better football player than hunter henry but we've always treated henry you like he's so? like he's better well henry hooper. had
0: that those touchdowns though, he,
4: he had know. the one year where he scored the touchdowns yeah I and,
2: and even, keenan allen got hurt that year so we don't know who he is yet. if it was the same version of the chargers that we've seen right you would probably say henry has a higher ceiling because of what rivers likes to do with his tight ends what the receiving core looks like for the chargers but it's going to be a difference now and so if it's tyrod taylor and let's say a rookie let's say they're you know, uh, Tua Tungavailoa falls to them, or Justin Herbert falls and They're picking seventh. You know, there's a team that could jump up. Herbert could very easily be. And, 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 and maybe jump into the three spot. You know, that's a, a story that we've been hearing over the last couple of weeks or the last couple of days, excuse me, since the Rivers announcement has happened. So Henry's going to be a little bit of a wild card. Hooper feels a little bit safer, though, right?
3: Absolutely. That's why I would take Hooper ahead of Hunter Henry. And I think, Henry, you start taking him the same spot where you start taking chances on any player, and that's round seven.
2: And then yeah. we have also Eric Ebron. You know, Tyler Eifert, if he does decide to move on from the Bengals, Jason Witten, Jacob Hollister, Blake Jarwin, these guys are restricted free agents as we look at the list here of guys. Um, Eric Ebron, how interested are you in him if he ends up in the right spot? You know, I, I will say this. You know, one thing about the, the Hunter Henry situation, if, if Tom Brady goes to the Chargers and Henry comes back, Sure. You know, we, we, right. we, we, we sort of said the, the lack of weapons for Brady in New England. That was a big piece. Not having Rob Gronkowski, that could be interesting. But Eric Ebron could be a wild card. Look, we saw him change teams the first time in his career when he
3: went from Detroit to Indianapolis, and he was a superstar. Uh, I, it really comes down to who's coaching him and how much you really want to trust him, and where are you drafting him. Oh, he's going to be a late round pick. Right. So... Yeah. Eric Ebron goes to a team. They've got a nice matchup in week one. Sure, I'll take the chance. on him. be a streaming Tampa Bay. tight end. <laughs> <laughs> sure. yeah, this is the
0: position we don't want <laughs> right. Tampa Bay to be any part of.
4: It, yeah. It's going to have to be a perfect fit, a perfect situation for me to draft Eric Ebron. I, I, I'm not going to rule it out, but it's, he's going to need the perfect landing and spot. And I'll tell
3: you what, he was in a pretty perfect spot, and they're getting rid of him from that spot. Maybe, maybe he and Hunter, Hunter Henry will Key switch
4: Brown. spots. He can just switch spots with Hunter Henry.
0: Yeah. That would be interesting. It would be it, interesting. Yeah, Who would you rather have? You just Two free agents. Who's the quarterback for each team? No, or is
3: it Henry <laughs> with the Colts or Ebron with no, the Cardinals? I think g- that's pretty You're easy. a GM, and you can choose. I, know, Henry, want the, I want the tight oh, end who's not going to sure. drop the ball. Hunter Henry, but right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, Hunter Henry. All
2: right, so there's our look at free agency. Uh, again, we're going to spend a lot more time over the course of the offseason. Again, most of it will be on our podcast, so make sure you download that wherever podcasts are found. When we come back... Going to be joined by Stephon Diggs, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to talk to him about some of the stuff going on here at the Super Bowl as well as the outlook for the Vikings going into 2020. Stay right here at Fantasy Football. <laughs> Welcome back to Fantasy Football today. We're live here on Radio Row in South Beach. Coming to you in coverage of the Super Bowl 54. Talking about fantasy football here ahead of the big game. We're going to get into some quarterback props, talk some DFS as well as we uh, prepare for the Chiefs and 49ers and the showdown on Sunday from Hard Rock Stadium. Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, Adam Azer. So let's talk about some uh, DFS uh, here, looking at uh, Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo. We're going to spend each day that we're here on Radio Row talking about his position and, and give you a little bit of a breakdown for those of you that want to play in the showdown on FanDuel and DraftKings and uh, quarterbacks here. So on FanDuel, we got Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo. This is their MVP price, $16,000 for Mahomes. And this is probably going to shock you a little bit. $14,000 for Jimmy Garoppolo, who we hope to see maybe throw more than, I don't know, eight times. We're looking at the the flex pricing here for these guys when you see, uh, excuse me, you see the the, uh, MVP pricing for FanDuel for these guys on DraftKings. As you see, Mahomes and Garoppolo, a little bit more of a disparity. Uh, with about $4,600. So how much of a priority is it to play Mahomes, who has just been fantastic since coming back from the knee injury and looking like the MVP from 2019 once again?
3: Well, when you look at the prices on FanDuel, can you really justify saving 2000 to no. get Patrick Mahomes or to get Garoppolo and save 2000 versus Mahomes? You can't do it, right? you got to play him. It's a little bit of a different story on DraftKings because it's almost 5000 that you're saving. But I, I almost feel like you've got to put Mahomes not just in your lineup, but as the MVP in the lineup, spend up for him because then you get the extra points on DraftKings. I think he's got the best chance to have a monster game.
4: Yeah, on FanDuel, it's either play Mahomes or don't play a quarterback for me. I'm not, I'm not playing Jimmy Garoppolo at 14. He's not even my favorite player at 14,000, regardless of position. So, But on DraftKings, I do think Garoppolo is quite a bit more interesting.
2: So, Adam, how much of a contrarian play is it just play Garoppolo and maybe the game you know, flips from what we see in you know, the 49ers chasing points?
0: Yeah, you can't judge them based on the last two games. There's no way they're going to just dominate the ball, and run the ball. They're not going to dominate the Chiefs. They're going to have to throw the ball, certainly. And most of the good quarterbacks who have faced the Chiefs this year – have done pretty well, scored 20 or more fantasy points. Really, unless you count Phillip Rivers, there hasn't been a good quarterback that's faced the Chiefs and had a bad game, like really bad game from fantasy. So I think it's okay. I mean, I I, I agree, Like FanDuel has to be. Right. But on
2: DraftKings, you could pivot to Garoppolo. All right, we're going to get more into some quarterback talk here on Fantasy Football Today. But coming up next, it's Stephon Diggs joining us here on the set to talk to him about his thoughts on the Super Bowl as well as his thoughts on the Vikings for 2019 and looking ahead to 2020. Stay right here to Fantasy Football Today. Welcome back here to South Beach, home of Super Bowl 54. We're live here on Radio Row with Fantasy Football today. Lots to do in Miami. Lots of stuff to enjoy. Not so much for us. We're South Florida people ourselves. But uh, certainly for our next guest as we're joined here by one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, Stephon Diggs. Thanks for spending some some time with us. We appreciate it, Stefan, Obviously, things did not go the way that you guys hoped as a team. Yes, I'm sir. sure you would like to be playing here as opposed to joining us on, on set here on Radio Row. But, uh, Talk about facing these two teams. You got an opportunity to face the Chiefs, face the 49ers. When you see these two defenses, what's your takeaway from both these secondaries?
5: It's fun from my perspective because um, the position I've been, I see I see the whole field. And it's two defense playing at a high level right now, um, especially San Francisco. Uh, they got those edge rushers. They're interior guys that play at a very, very high level. And um, I anticipate with Patrick Mahomes in the offense, he will be scrambling. Of course, he can't escape the pocket. He can't throw the ball extremely well. So it's going to be a tale in the offense and defense. You know, for me, from a football perspective, I, t- I was told by a Little Birdie one day that defense wins games.
3: Uh-huh. You
5: know? <laughs> uh huh. No matter the offense. You know, that's how you that's how you play against good offenses. You play good defense, and this is one of the best in the league, if not the best. So for me, when it comes down to picks, I'm probably going to pick San Francisco because you know I'm I'm always for the defense, even though I'm an offensive player. But they do have that fast break offense that can score at any time and score three touchdowns in two minutes and just crazy. So it's going to be interesting to watch.
2: When you look at Tyree Hill against the Forty ers yes. and you know Debo Samuel and uh, I guess we shouldn't slight Sammy Watkins, but Tyree I Kill, Sammy Watkins, and then you know Debo Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders. How do you think those receivers stack up against those respective defenses?
5: When you look at the defenses and what they like to do. Uh, San Francisco is more of a cover three zone, like similar to the Seattles and the people who play butt to the sideline at corner position. Um, You want to say that uh, keep everything in front of them and let your D-line work you know so no matter how you dress it up that d-line is going to get home and i feel like that defensive coordinator definitely puts not only the d-linemen but the uh the the linebackers who are underrated i think in my opinion that can Mm -hmm. fly around and play some good football and then the guys in the back and i feel like richard sherman has led them to the point where everybody back there's playing with a lot of confidence so they're gonna keep everything in front of them and when it comes down to speed when you think of speed you think of the kansas city offense and so it's going to be fun to watch because they're going to try to keep everything in front of them. Right. Try to limit, limit the big shots, the big plays, and, you know, let's make them play football.
3: Hard to make them dink and dunk, though. That's just exactly. not what the Kansas City his... Chiefs want to do, nor yeah. do they accept that. They're going to try and take shots downfield. I want to talk about your offensive coordinator situation. Yeah. Stefanski yeah. was there. Kubiak was with him. Now he's gone. Stefanski's gone, and Kubiak's the guy, and I'm excited to see him back. I mm-hmm. study this stuff. I'm a nerd for him. Yeah. How much of last year was Kubiak influencing what Stefanski yeah. called?
5: He was definitely, uh, he definitely played a huge part, I would say. You know, I wasn't in the meeting rooms, but they spent a whole lot of time together. And I know uh, Coach G was brought in to kind of have that role on, you know, as far as like assistant as well. But uh, you can he heard him in the back of the meeting room when he when he spoke, everybody listened and, you know, he played a huge part in our success. So uh, I don't know how, how they work with the plays and the play calling and all that, but I do know that he played a huge part. Okay. And so that'll make it a lot easier for yeah. this
3: year. There's almost like no transition whatsoever. Exactly. Same playbook, same, virtually the same play caller, right? It wasn't Gary calling the plays. no no no
5: but I feel like it was the same verbiage and the same language that we'll be continuing continue to hear so uh, it won't be no drop off or anything having us you know I've played with five different offensive coordinators yeah since I've been in the league, I don't, this might about to be my sixth year. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, as far as like being comfortable and adjusting, I feel like it won't be no issues because it'll be a lot of carryover.
2: How do you think Stefanski will do as the head coach in Cleveland?
5: I think he provides I do not I don't. I didn't. I don't know the previous coach. I didn't watch them. You know, but I do know Stefanski. I did have a relationship with Stefanski. He provides a lot of structure, uh, organized, and how he approaches things. And he's methodical. You know, he's going to do things the right way. But the biggest thing is. Uh, I would say I loved him so much because he was a players coach. You know, he understood that we were new and, you know, you're young and you want to have fun, but he always kept it ball first. You can have all the fun. You want ball first and keep it team oriented. You know, if you keep it team first and you kind of play it off, you can have your fun now. Just don't, you know, don't become a distraction. Uh, You're going to win. They're going to love him. That's what I think. You guys didn't throw the ball as much last year. But when Kirk Cousins did throw
4: it, he was the most efficient year of his career. Talk a little bit about your relationship with him and how it improved in that second year
5: together. I would say as far as like just playing to his strengths, you know, we also have a uh, I feel like one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the league. You know, and playing to his strengths, we can run the ball extremely well, running the ball well, and um, play action and playing what Kirk does well. You know, you putting people in a in a situation, put them in a put them in a situation to win. You know, and that, and that's what you want, no matter if it's quarterback, receiver, or running back. But putting them in a situation to win, and you know, we kind of play off of that. One of the problems we have in fantasy is
3: trying to figure out. Well, who's going to be good this week between Diggs and Thielen? Because not very often, Uh, there are weeks where you guys are both on fire, but there are some weeks out there where you're having the huge game, Thielen's not. Thielen has the big game, you're not. Just What is it it like to be on the field with him and just working off of each other, and how does that help you in terms of just the game itself and playing, not necessarily putting up stats?
5: I feel like it's an interesting situation to be in because not all teams have what I say, and I say this, you know, Two exceptional receivers, two studs, two number one. I I'm, 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 I'm am but I feel like um, when you have guys like that, teams are going to take away something, you know. And I, I feel like at the end of the day, week in and week out, I am gonna see, I am gonna see the best corner or like you know whoever they got on the other side or whatever cloud coverage or whatever, whatever they're gonna do to try to take mm-hmm. one of us away, they're gonna do it, and whoever's one on one. You take advantage of the matchup. That's hints to what you say uh, week in and week out. You kind of don't know who's going to do what. But it all, it all depends on how the team want to stop you. You know, and I feel like at this point, we've, we've ran, we ran the ball so, so, so successfully that you want to stop 33, you can stack the box, and you go one-on-one with us on the outside. But if you... You play cover two. and You want to stop the throw, the passing game. We gonna run the ball all day. Yeah. You know? So it's like it's hard. It's hard for me. I'm not the best at fantasy. If so I can tell you what the pick week in and week out you gotta watch the scouting report and see who we playing. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> you,
4: you mentioned 33. Dalvin Cook obviously a huge impact when he's been on the field. And it yeah. seemed like last year he was more involved in the passing game, freed you up to go deep a little bit. Can you talk about how he impacts your offense and what we should expect from him moving forward? As
5: you can see, he changed the game. You know, we had some struggles later in the year when we played Green Bay and we couldn't run the ball when you know he was injured. Um, and it's just like he changed the game for everybody involved. You know, he changes the way Kirk can play, the way I can play, the way Adam can play. And he frees up a lot of stuff as far as like with play action. And they, they got linebackers got to chase and they got to run around. They got to be aware of what's going on because he can catch the ball out of the backfield, screens. And he does a lot of things extremely well. And for us uh, as a receiver, you like that. You like a guy that can, you know, that can take it 70 yards because at any given time, you know, when we go play action or we got one on one on our side, it can go, you know, especially when you got two guys on the outside that can win at a high level. So, um, for me, it's you appreciate those guys because you don't always have
2: them. I want you to put on your analyst hat for a second. Oh man, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Tell me about Michael Thomas. You know, <laughs> you watch watch a receiver like yeah. him and, and you know set the record for receptions. Uh, yeah. what, what's that like as a receiver seeing what he's able to do in that offense for the Saints?
5: Um, you see Jalen at a high level. You see him and him having Drew Brees for for a long period of time, and them guys on uh, on the same page. You know, as far as like they've been together for since he's been in the league, and you can see it. You know, they're always on the same page and And, playing, and he's playing at a high level. Um, he's big. He can run. He, uh, he has a amazing catch radius. And you feel like you feel like you put it anywhere around him, he's going to pluck it. So um, that is a test of what they got going on in their organization and and, and that quarterback and receiver relationship. So it's definitely special, and it's definitely um, definitely something great to see. So you say that
2: you know fantasy is something that you don't really know very well. I'm trying not to get too much. I, I want you to do me a favor, though. I want you to look into that camera right there, yes, and sir. I want you to tell the people who play fantasy football what to expect from Stefan Diggs
5: in 2020. Twenty twenty, Stefan Diggs making my case for why you should grab me. I'm gonna do my job, you know, and it's, <laughs> it equates to like somewhat success. You know, we'll see how it goes. I can't. I, you can't bet every week because you know I got a great running back. I got some other guys around me. I'm not the only guy on the team, so. But you ride with me, I'll get you some points. We'll see what we could do. Tell us why people should ride with Genesis Auto. Oh, man, it's a new and luxury car. And, you know, they're also official luxury car of the NFL. You know, so for me, uh, that's why I'm, I'm hanging with you guys. That's why I'm kicking it right now. But uh, they have an unveiling tonight of a big surprise and it's going to be exciting stay tuned but i've been chauffeured around in the g90 and i love it you know not a better car to be in so i'll see what we can do and get you guys a ride uh, we we,
1: right. we
2: appreciate that and uh, we appreciate all that you do for the nfl all that you do for the community of minnesota all you do for us as yeah. as fantasy football players as well stefan yeah, diggs it. thank you for joining us here on fantasy football today and uh got a lot more coverage coming up here throughout the week a lot more coverage coming up from the pick six crew as they are going to be breaking down everything here live from Radio Row at 2 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget to check out Will Brinson and Company as they give you all the best from Radio Row here with Super Bowl 54. So we uh, we have a lot to uh, lot to get to here throughout the rest of the week here on Fantasy Football. Today we'll be here all throughout the week giving you the latest, uh, more interviews, more players stopping by, helping uh, helping us get the. Down low on what's happening with uh, 2020, just like Stephon Diggs said. You want to ride with him, you're going to win some fantasy production. Adam Azer will be back uh, throughout the week as well. Uh, you know, it should be a a lot of fun here. This is the start of it. I I know for you guys, you haven't been around the last couple of Super Bowls, but for me, this is my third time here on Radio Row, and this is the start. You know, Tuesday's when the guys start to trickle in. Jerome Bettis, Stephon Diggs. We're going to have guys throughout the day here on CBS Sports HQ. Dak Prescott will be here later today. Uh, Alvin Kamara will be here as well. Uh, We got Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Hopkins. Think about all the stars coming through that matter for fantasy. We're going to be talking to them as well, whether our various shows, uh, taking the time to speak to those guys. So it should should be a lot of fun here. Uh Anything that that you take away from what uh, what Diggs said about the Vikings that excites you about 2020? You
3: know, I'm I'm excited about the future of this offense with Gary Kubiak there. I know that Kubiak. Now we know that he had a pretty sizable influence. I think that he'll be able to bring that influence even more. Find ways to get Diggs open downfield, break through that cloud coverage they was talking about.
4: <laughs> you just love the honesty though, because you're asking to make the case for, and he, and he was even talking about it. You know, I know we've got Dalvin Cook, we got Adam Thielen. I'm not gonna hit every week, but I'm gonna get you those points, and I believe he is. I spoke to
2: Dalvin Cook at the at the Pro Bowl, and he said, you know, he's gonna miss. Stefanski. You know, he said he was really good for what he was able to do, and I think he got that from Diggs, you know, player's coach. Um, But it's going to be fun to see, you know, if these guys can take the next step because Thielen had the injury that really sort of sapped him from what he was capable of doing, and then Diggs had sort of that stretch where he was great, and then a little bit of a step back because Dalvin Cook was so, so electric. And, you know, I asked Dalvin, I said, you know, what was the biggest difference for you? And he's like, just staying healthy, man. Just staying on the yep. field. And as we saw, it was uh, it was fun to watch this Vikings offense. So Kubiak's gotten great numbers from his running game. Yep. He's gotten great numbers. Andre Johnson, if we remember, you know, as, as the number one receiver there. Uh, and we'll see if Kirk Cousins can take the next step as well. But we're going to get a lot more breakdowns here on Radio Row as we talk to a lot of these guys and also give you the latest on what's coming up for Super Bowl 54. We're trying to contain Heath's excitement here as a lifelong Chiefs (laughs) fan, but uh, it will come out at some point throughout the week. So a lot more to get to here from Radio Row with CBS Sports HQ. You do not want to miss what we have coming up for you, not just today, but all throughout the week. For Adam Azer, he's coming. Dave Richard, I'm Jamie Eisner, Jerome Bettis, and Stephon Dixieff. Stay right here. See you guys. More safety
1: from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog. A new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount Plus.
2: Yes.